911, what's the nature of your emergency? Good morning, police, fire, military, and families, and to everybody listening in on the Tactical Living Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Walton, and I have a new friend, Mr. Garrett Bake. Garrett, how are you? I'm excellent. How are you today? I'm good, too. We were just chatting a little bit. You're in Boise, Idaho, which is quite far from Southern California. (laughs) And um, yeah, so thank you for sharing your morning with me. No, thank you for having me. So if you don't mind, can you just walk us through a little bit of your background? I know inside of our Facebook group, we already put up your bio and and people already know about you. But for anybody listening in on the podcast, can you just walk us through a little bit about your background before we dive into my burning question, which is what was that transition for you? (laughs) Uh, I was actually born and raised in a little small border town in Arizona. Um, Had no intentions of being a police officer. And of course, 9-11 happened for me. That was my, uh, my trigger. And, uh, told my wife I was going to join the military. She's like, awesome. You're going to come back divorced. I was like, don't want that one. So let's, uh, let's pick something else. And my neighbor across the street's like, Hey man, you could, you could be a cop and then you can still come home at night. I was like, sweet, let's do that. So, uh, that, that was the the short version of how I became a police officer. But, uh, I served in uh, Mesa, Arizona for 15 years, uh, retired three years ago. Um, had the, uh, the opportunity to do a lot of cool stuff, a lot of fun stuff, uh, a lot of crazy stuff, a lot of stupid stuff, and uh, managed to make it out on the other side. Well, we thank you for your service, and especially in the limelight of everything that's happening right now. Um, I know a lot of people have reached out to me, and there are a lot of officers who are retired or maybe not in the game right now, and they're just itching to do something to help. And I'm just wondering, because I know that you were exposed to so many different large scale incidents. So what advice would you maybe give to some of those people that might be facing that right now? Uh, are you talking about police officers, families? Will- yeah, for, for people that are former law enforcement. Uh, you know, this is uh, this is a really interesting thing because uh, as, uh, I mean, your husband's uh, obviously a police officer, you, you know this, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of charged up emotions on, on both sides of this, right? And uh, it's interesting that what what you the old saying what you focus on grows right. Um, unfortunately, the way that society has has um, created the stigma of us against them and police officers kind of embrace that right because mm-hmm. we like to to consider ourselves the front line you know the the chosen few and uh, when you retire from that you kind of get stuck in the middle of. You know, I still feel drawn here, but now I'm a civilian. What can I do? And um, the, the biggest piece of advice that I can give to any retired, you know, law enforcement officers is support, but not one side, support both sides. Because especially with what's going on right now, we, we all understand uh, the issues that are at hand. Uh, but the crazy part is, is that the more that we focus on division and the differences between, uh, the bigger the problem is going to be. The more we focus on, you know, what it is that we have in common, what it is that we both want, uh, the, the more likely it is that this becomes a catalyst for change. Um, and for any law enforcement officers that are looking to help out, I still reach out to uh, my old department, uh, some of the departments here close to where I live now. And it's always about just being willing to extend a helping hand. Hey, what do you guys need help with? You know, how can I support you? It can be anything from, hey, buy the guys some, some Starbucks, you know, drop off some cases of water, 
um, or just having a conversation with your neighbors about everything that's going on and from the, the police officer's point of view. So there's a lot of different things you can do. I will tell you there's no wrong unless it involves hate. Everything mm-hmm. else is right. I'm going to quote that. There's no wrong. <laughs> yeah, that, that's beautiful. And I love how you brought in the element of like community education, because there's nothing, there's no better way to kind of bridge that gap than to have people literally like on the streets and c- communicating with the civilians so that there isn't that difference. And I think that's so beautiful. So thank you for pointing that out. I know that you worked in SWAT. So, I mean, this probably isn't foreign to you, right? You're, you're used to incidents like this happening. Um, do you mind talking a little bit about what that transition was like for you getting out of law enforcement and why you did and how that led you to what you're doing now. Uh, I'll try, trying to abbreviate that story. Um, the, the long and short is, is, and you've experienced this being a, being a, a law enforcement family. Um, nobody teaches you what it's going to be like, right? Cause on TV, all you see is, you know, they put on the uniform and they run towards the sound of gunfire and it sounds almost heroic, right? Poetic. And, and so, you know, we strap on our, our gun belts and throw on our vests and jump in our patrol cars and off we go. Uh, but nobody prepares you for what it is that you're actually going to see. Nobody prepares you for what you're actually going to experience. And then you, you try and have conversations with people, but how can you have a conversation of, you know, I just, picked up a dead body, you know, and I rolled it over and all these gases came out and, you know, the flesh melted. How do you have that conversation? How do you have the conversation of, um, I was trying to comfort a three-year-old that was sexually molested, you know? And, and so you start to see and experience things that most people don't ever see or experience. And so it's really hard to process that, right? Uh, my biggest downfall was thinking that nobody wanted to talk to me about it and nobody understood what it was that I was going through. And it really started with, you know, my wife. Um, I, I, you know, she's like, hey, what happened at work? And I was like, oh, nothing. It was no big deal. You know, some old guy just blew his brains out. You know, the, while I'm eating dinner, it sounds like some some piece of normal conversation when it's not. And the biggest issue that I had was the inability to process that, uh, the, the stimuli, right, that was coming mm-hmm. in. And I know you talk about uh, PTSD quite a bit. Uh, this is my personal take, so take it for what it's worth. Uh, PTSD, uh, in a nutshell, is nothing more than the brain's inability to process information, right? And that's what it is. Uh, some of it is chemical. Some of it is, is you know, if you have a traumatic brain injury or something like that. But but if it's if it's not related to a traumatic brain injury, that means that it's repairable. That means that your brain can learn how to process that. It may not be the traditional means, but you can learn how to process that. Well, I didn't know how to process. I didn't learn how to process. And and for the longest time, of course, um, most police departments don't have any kind of peer support group or 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 um, any time of external help for for transitioning or trying to process this. And so I did what every other police officer does. Well, nobody understands me outside of police work. Nobody gets me outside of police work. So what am I going to do? I'm going to spend time with the boys, right? I'm going to go drink. I'm going to go hang out. I'm going to work overtime and off duty and and everything else. Because in that environment, I know how to process things. When I get home, uh, I don't know how to process the fact that my wife spent all day with the kids and all she wants for me to do is to take out the trash and do the dishes and all I want to do is like turn off the computer and veg out to ESPN, right? And so I uh, started going down that path of, of this separation caused by the inability to process that information. 
And that leads to what? It leads to her getting pissed off at me, rightfully so. But at the time I didn't see it that way. I was like, well, you don't, you don't love me. You know, you don't, you aren't grateful for me. You don't get it. You don't know what it's like, what I have to go through on a daily basis. Again, more separation. And eventually that leads to a person wanting to find ways to check out, right? I don't want to deal with it anymore. I don't know how to deal with work anymore. I don't know how to deal with my family anymore. So I need to find some way to deal with it, which leads to alcohol abuse. It leads to prescription and, and any other, you know, illicit drug abuse. It leads to, you know, um, uh, cheating on your wife. It leads to all of these things, it, most of which I experienced, right? Because I was searching for the, the numbing effect. What can I find that will help me not have to deal with this right now? Why? Because this source work is causing more problems over here at home than I can deal with. So I'm going to find some other way to deal with it. And I, and I got to the point where a lot of police officers get, you know, you wonder why the divorce rate amongst, and, and we'll just spread it out to first responders is so high military as well. It's because they don't know how to communicate anymore. I can communicate with getting from point A to point B. I can communicate with getting my squad through, you know, any type of issue or problem. I can't communicate with, uh, honey. Yeah. I don't know how to deal with what's going on inside my head right now. Right. And so we got to this point where I was blaming her for everything that was going wrong in my life, right? My inability to sleep at night, my inability to, uh, you know, have a, a passionate relationship, my, my inability to, um, to have a conversation with my kids without wanting to yell at them, right? Um, in, in police work, and, and you're very well versed with this, they teach us uh, this process to keep us safe at work, but then we take it home and it doesn't make any sense, right? Mm. I'm going to ask you to do something. If you don't, I'm going to tell you to do something. If you don't, I'm going to make you do something. Works real great on the streets, but try and take that home. Are you kidding me? Like what spouse wants to hear the husband tell them, hey, you need to go do this now. Excuse me? <laughs> right? So anyway, it led to this point where I was like, you know what? You're, you're the source of all my problems and I'm out. I'm, I want to get divorced. And so uh, we started to go down that path. Um, still, even then I had more people say, it's okay. I understand what you're going through. You're doing the right thing. than people saying, Hey, stupid. Uh, how about you spend some time figuring out what's going on inside of here and the source of your problems instead of trying to do it like everyone else is doing, it, which is get divorced, go ahead, live a better life, which is not really a better life. You're going to end up giving away half your pension. You're going to have no relationship with your kids. And all you're going to do is live with regret and hate the rest of your life. So I got to this point where, you know, I was working myself basically to death, doing 16 to 20 hour shifts. Uh, why? Because that's the one thing I knew how to do. I knew how to work, right? And, and in that space, I was in control. And I knew that anything outside, I couldn't control. But one night I got to this point where I, I had to make a decision, right? And the decision was this. I'm staring at my duty belt. I'm staring at my gun that's in my duty belt. And for the first time in my life, I'm saying, maybe this is the best option. I won't have to deal with the hurt. I won't have to deal with the pain. My wife will get my life insurance and everybody will be happy, right? And so you wonder, how is it that people get to this point? Because again, back to the brain, nobody knows how to process. Nobody teaches you how to process this. But at that point, I had this feeling inside and it was a question that I had to answer, which is, well, what do you really want? And I knew what I wanted, right? I wanted to have a relationship with my wife. I wanted to have kids who wanted to hang out with me and play with me, not run because they didn't know which version of dad was going to show up. I wanted to be successful at work, right? And I wanted to make a difference. So how was I going to get that? I didn't know. But at that point was the first time that I admitted that I had a problem. I admitted that I didn't have the answers. 
And so it led me down that path of self-exploration, so on and so forth. And, you know, to kind of condense that down, I spent the next three or four years, uh, one, admitting to my wife that I was the source of all the problems, two, that I didn't know what to do, and then three, actually actively looking for help, looking for support, looking for something out there. Um, and then I, I consider myself one of the few lucky ones, right, that I was able to uh, go into different things. I went to, you know, Landmark and Tony Robbins and in different programs. I spent, you know, tens of thousands of dollars on quote unquote personal development. But what it helped me to do was see where my holes were and then find a process, a system, something to plug that hole, right, to where at the end of this, I, I got to this point where all I saw around me was men going through the exact same thing, choosing divorce, choosing separation, choosing to play the isolation game because that's what they thought their best option was. And so uh, three years ago, I said, hey, this is this is my new calling. I spent the last 15 years getting shot at. I'm really good at driving fast and punching people in the face. Uh, but now I want to transition to be able to help people process information, help people set themselves up for success instead of for failure. That is incredible. That's truly inspiring. So how do, so first of all, the name of your company is a tactical businessman, which I think is just incredible. What were the things that you struggled with during those three years before you were able to give yourself permission to kind of take it, take it off and, and run with it? Uh, are you talking about inside of uh, my business? Yeah. So after you decided like I'm quitting law enforcement, like this is something that I need to lean into. You know, there, there was, it was really interesting because as, as a police officer and nobody wants to say it, but it really is what it is. You're an employee. <laughs> they tell you when to work. They tell you how long you're going to work. They tell you how much you're going to get paid, so on and so forth. Uh, we don't want to see it that way, but that's what it is. And when you step out of that world and you're your quote unquote own boss, hey, there's no rules. There's nobody telling you when to work or what to do. And, and so I really struggled with that transition of time versus money, right? Before I knew, hey, if I work 10 hours, I'm going to get paid X number of dollars to where now it's like, hey, I worked 10 hours and nobody paid me anything. Like, what's going on here, right? So it, it was a big mindset shift where I had to understand that value is what uh, is exchanged for money instead of time, right? Mm -hmm. And and it took, I would say, probably a good six to eight months before I finally started to figure that out. Hmm. So I'm just curious if anybody's listening to this, who would be the person? What what might they be experiencing or going through to where you might be that resource that could really add a lot of value to their life? Uh, great question. I, I will tell you that everything that I do is for everyone. <laughs> I don't actually um, market to everyone because it's impossible. Uh, but this is the first thing I'll say. If you're a first responder, if you're military, if you're struggling with any of the things that I talked about before, reach out to someone have the conversation, right? You're not alone. You're not the only one that's experiencing this. Um, I am not everyone's solution, right? There are other sources. Obviously, uh, you are, are one of those those resources. So reach out to somebody and have that conversation. Be willing to be vulnerable and say, I don't have the answer, right? Um, as far as, as who it is that I really focus on now, um, I focus on, on business owners. Um, and some of them are uh, retired police officers, military. But really, it's it's focusing on business owners and just equipping them with the basic skill sets that they need to process everything that happens on a daily basis uh, and to do what it was that I learned uh, very well inside of police work, which is 
setting yourself up for success, right? We talk a lot about situational awareness. We talk about putting yourself in a position of tactical advantage. It's really what life is. Um, when you can learn to take those skills from, from your professional life into your personal life, that's when things start to change. When I can walk into my house and see that my wife is frazzled on the couch and if there's a bunch of dirty clothes everywhere, I know she had a bad day. It's not that she's being lazy. It's not that she doesn't love me. She had a bad day. My inability to process that and say, okay, what's my best move right now? What does that do? Well, it sets me up for success inside of my marriage. You know, business is the same way. Obviously, you know, police work, military work, it's the same way. The more that you can become aware of what's going on around you, the more that you can set yourself up for success, the more success you'll experience. That's awesome. And super, super exciting. Um, I, I just geek out on this kind of work. So to know that you're gifting that to other people, I know what it's like to have that. And coincidentally, it was three years ago for myself too. And it, it's it's literally the key to change your life. And it all starts with that one reach out. So thank you so much. And in, in saying that, if you go to the tacticalbusinessman.com, what, what Garrett has is super awesome. I'm, I'm getting ready to fill out the rest of my questionnaire. You had popped on here when I was in the middle of filling it out, but he has this free seven day attack plan that you can sign up for. And once they do that, they're going to get dripped out these emails that are, it's essentially like a, a personal challenge. But if they want to go a step further and they, they like that content, they, they like the feel of actually moving the needle forward. What's the next step to be able to, to reach out and to work with you? Uh, great question. What I really focused on now is, is what I learned inside of police work, right? And, and you think about the greatest changes in your life, whether, whether um, it was inside of a police work or inside of your personal life, the greatest changes in your life come from the biggest struggles, right? The biggest challenges that you have. It's just how it is that you're framing it and what comes out of it, right? Um, I've, I've done everything from break my elbow to get concussions to you know, almost chopped my leg off with a chainsaw. I've done all kinds of fun things in my life, getting shot at, uh, you know, thank God that I never got shot. Uh, but there's a lot of things that happen. And really what uh, what the, the back end of the program is, is I can talk to you all day long about how to process things, but until you learn how to do that in person, until you learn what that feels like, it's never going to be part of who you are and what you do. Uh, and so what I do is um, every six months or so, I run um, in-person events. And I like to think of it as Tony Robbins meets the SWAT team. <laughs> so um, it, it's kind of a combination of, of both of those mindsets. But uh, yeah, if it's something you're interested in and you're in a place uh, mentally and, and physically where it, it's just it's not working. And I always tell people, you're not at a point where you want to talk about it anymore. You're at a point where you want to do something. Reach out to me. We can have a conversation. We can see if what it is that I do is a fit for you. Um, it's not for everybody, right? Uh, some people, all they need is, is a little inspiration, a little motivation. Some people, all they need is, hey, give, give me a system to deal with my, my mornings. Give me a system to deal with the thoughts that's on my head. And that's enough for them. Uh, some people, though, are like me and they're like, hey, man, <laughs> like I need a complete overhaul. So where's the reset button? That's what I need right now. Amazing. And I'll go ahead and I'll link all of your contact information in the show notes inside of the Facebook group. I already put it inside of the promo. So if anybody wants to reach out to Garrett directly, go ahead and contact him. And Garrett, thank you so, so much for spending this morning with us and for adding so much value to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And thank you for what you do. Thank you. Stay safe.